I mean, if you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians chapter 1. You know, a lot of times people talk about putting uh, together a, a bucket list. And Matt, when I'm talking about a bucket list, I'm not talking about how much chicken you want to get at KFC to put in your bucket. But we're talking about the things that, uh, that you want to do before you die, places that you want to go, people you want to see, events you want to experience, and crazy things that you want to do. And uh, a lot of times on that list is a lot of places that you like to, to travel. And I always think about uh, places that I'd like to go or, or countries I'd like to go, uh, go, go see and uh, to be able to experience, and I kind of come up with a list. I'd like to one day go to, uh, to Tokyo, Japan, because I've always been interested, you know, because I love technology, and they got all kind of kind of cool stuff up there, got a lot of neat high-speed trains. I'd like to go over there and, uh, and ride those trains. That's one thing uh, I'd like to do. And uh, I'd also like to go to, uh, to, uh, to the Swiss Alps uh, in the summer, of course. But uh, I always see it, and a lot of times I watch those, uh, the Tour de France a lot of times, and sometimes they'll go over across into Switzerland, and they just always look beautiful, or just the, with those, those mountains and uh, those lakes and those rivers, and they just always look pretty, and uh, somewhere that I'd like to go. And uh, another place that I'd like to go, not only want to go to J- Japan, not only like to go to see the, the Swiss Alps, but I also like to go to New Jersey. I want to go to New Jersey just to see if it's a bad a place as people tell me it is, and I think it is in my mind. So there's a lot of times we think about places that we want to go, and that brings us to uh, Colossium. The city of Colossium was a city that uh, Paul had not gone yet. As he writes this letter to the church there in Colossia, that church was a part of Asia, along with cities like Laodicea, that he had not been able to get into and not been able to, to minister to. But rather, the work was still going on. And he heard about their faith, and he heard about their receiving of Jesus Christ as he hears from um, Epirus, who was his disciple uh, with Paul there, who went and established this church. And so even though he could not go there, and even though he could not be there, he did the next best thing that he could do for them here in these verses. And that is, he prayed for them. And so as we read these verses, I want us to think in our heart and our mind that Paul not just praying to the church of Colossia that he had never been to and never seen and only heard to, but I want us to think about him praying for us and praying for this church and the things that he would have for us to do, what he would pray for us as a church that we would accomplish. So let's read together together in the book of Colossians chapter 1. We'll begin with verse number 9, and it says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of the will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, bearing, um, uh, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Given thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And he has delivered us 
from the dominion of darkness and transformed us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for all the many things that you bless us with. Lord, as we hear the words of Paul as he prayed for the church, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we heed these words. And Lord, we see him as praying for us in this church. And Lord, how he would see us to grow and accomplish great things for you. But Lord, let us be a reminder to us that we should pray for the church. Not only just for us here in Pine Grove, but we pray for Christ's church around the world. Lord, that we will continue to grow. Lord, that we will continue to do. And Lord, that we'll continue to always be thankful for the salvation and the eternal life that came through the work of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name I pray, amen. There are several things that he wanted him to do and wanted them to do. And as you would think about Paul, as he would think about this church, and he's going to talk about some other things that they need to be aware of. But what would Paul pray for the church? What things were important to uh, them? What was it that he really wanted that church to do? What was the things that he thought that if that church could do, then they would be established and that they would be able to grow and that they would be able to resist any type of false doctrine? And he lists off a few things. And I want us to see just kind of not only these things listed on a list, but I also want to see as he reveals to us sort of a progression of growth in our life, not only the growth in our life as individual Christians, but our growth in the life of us here at a church. And the first thing that he's going to pray is he wants to pray for them to have knowledge. Listen to what he tells us in, uh, in verse number uh, 9. It says, And so from that day forward we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and in understanding. He wanted them to have knowledge, and not just any knowledge, but he wanted them to have spiritual knowledge. He wanted them to have knowledge of the will of God. In other words, he wanted them to learn. And when you learn about uh, knowledge and what it means to learn, there's a couple of things that you need to, uh, to be aware of, is that you need to be aware and, uh, and concerned about the source of your knowledge. Where do we go from for knowledge? And so you have to be careful where you go and who you ask for knowledge and wisdom for your life. And so if you go to a wise person and ask them for knowledge, they're going to give you wisdom. If you go to a moron and ask them for knowledge, they're going to give you nonsense. And so we have to be careful who it is that we ask for our knowledge. And so if we're going to go to knowledge 
And especially if we're going to go for wisdom and spiritual things, we know that those things can't be found upon the world. We know that Congress isn't going to be able to give those, those answers. We know that the universities aren't going to be able to give us those answers. We know that Hollywood's not going to be able to give us those answers. There's only one place that you can go from the knowledge of God that is directly from the mouth of God. And we have the words directly from the mouth of God written in the Holy Scriptures. And so we should spend our time discerning and reading those Scriptures so that we can find out those things that He wants us to know so that we are able to discern what is the will of God. Or as Paul told it in, um, in Romans chapter 12, to learn the... the uh, what is the pleasing? What is the acceptable? What is the full will of God? It starts in learning His Word. And so that tells us another thing that we need to know about wisdom is not only do we need to be careful where we go, but also wisdom and knowledge take effort. In other words, we have to take an effort, make an effort for us to learn. Now, I remember when I was at school, I didn't put much effort into learning. And so I'd sit back into my desk just like y'all were when I, when I wasn't sleeping. we just sit back there, and we just want to get there through, and we just dare our teacher to try to teach us something. It seemed like we thought it was up to them to teach us something. But what God tells us to, is that if we want to have wisdom, then we have to seek it. We have to go out and find it. We have to make that effort for us to gain that knowledge. And a lot of us as Christians, we're very lazy. We just want to come and we want to hear the preacher talk for his two-hour sermon, and that's going to be the limit of what I learn about God. But we don't put in the effort that we actually get out our Scripture and that we actually read it and that when we have questions, we seek out answers, that we take forth that effort in our life to find out what truly is God's will. Now, a lot of us, we want to know what God's will is for our life. We kind of want these specific things about our life. We kind of want God to come and to speak in our ears and tell us exactly what he wants to do specifically in our life. But what God has for us is that we understand his word. We understand what is his general will for our life. And the more we follow him in that direction, the more that he will illuminate individually our paths of what he wants us to do. So he said, church, if you're going to make it, you need to grow in your knowledge. You don't just need to come down and get saved and get baptized and fill out that little card, but you need to pick up your scripture. You need to listen to teachers. You need to come to Sunday school. You need to take out every opportunity to live and grow in your knowledge of the will of God, that you grow in spiritual wisdom. And the next thing he tells us, look, church, I pray that you grow in your knowledge, but the second thing I'm going to pray that you would do is that you will walk in a worthy manner. Listen to what he tells us in verse number 10. It says, so as to walk 
in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice how he says that, that first uh, uh, phrase that he begins that, so as to walk. In other words, the gathering of that knowledge that we did in the first part had a purpose. And that purpose is for us to gain in the knowledge so that we will know how to walk, so that we will know how to act. In other words, that knowledge should compel us to go out and do something. Now, you don't want to be like me. I watch all those uh, home improvement shows all day long about all those things those making and all those renovations that they're going to do, and I'll just sit on my couch and I'll just watch. But I'm not going to get up and do anything because I'll wind up breaking it. Don't do like we do when we watch all those uh, cooking shows. We'll see them cook all those that stuff up, and we'll sit there and learn about how to mix and how to do that. But you know what? When it comes time to eat, I'm going to go to the fridge and go get a pizza out. We spend our time gathering knowledge, but we never put that knowledge into action. And that's the way that we are a lot of times as Christians. And we'll sit and we'll just gather knowledge. We'll gather knowledge. We'll gather knowledge. We'll have some revelation. And we want to we wanna just absorb what it is that the Lord has to say for us. But we don't put it in any type of action. We don't really realize that God is putting that in our heart in order that we will do something. And what does he want us to do? He wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the one who saved us. You think a lot about your life, and you think about people that you, older people that you grew up and that you admire, and you say, well, that's a great man, or you say, that's a great woman, and then you say, or you'll say, that's a great family, but then they'll have a child, and you'll say, and you'll see that child, and one of that child will be like, you know, a knucklehead. He'll just be a total, total loser. And you'll look at them and say, look, they're, they're no way like what their father raised them to be. They're no way like what their mother taught them to be. They didn't live up to a manner worthy of the parents. They didn't live in a way worthy of the family name. And so Jesus is saying that same thing to us, is that we are to walk in a way that is worthy of our family name. And what is our family name? Our family name is Jesus Christ. And so when we look at Jesus in his life, and when we look at my life, and when we look at your life and what you're doing, is it worthy of the one who called us? How does our life match up to his? And what he desires for us is that we progressively in our life become more and more like Jesus. Maybe you're not very far off now, but day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, you grow closer and closer into resembling who 
Jesus is. So we walk in a way, we live our lives in a way that's worthy of the name that we are called to. And then we go out in that we produce fruit. What is he talking about when we produce fruit? That is the visible thing that you see on a tree. You look at a bunch of trees, you say, well, what kind of tree is that? Well, I don't know. I'm not an expert. But when it comes up, when it comes time for those uh, those plants to ripen, all of a sudden you'll see apples, and all of a sudden you'll see oranges, and you'll actually see something that is visible, something that come has come as a result of that tree being planted. The end purpose for that is it to actually produce something. And so what he says for us is, I want you to take this knowledge in your life and that you walk in a manner that's worthy of the name that it's called you and that you actually do it to actually make accomplishments and do works that people can actually see and people can actually look at and say, hey, that person's different. Hey, that person's changed. Hey, that person is becoming more like Jesus. Is there any fruit in your life? Are there people who have come to know about Jesus because you told them? Are there people who come to church because you have invited them? Are there changes being made in your life that we can all all see? Are people being uplifted by the words that you speak to them and the encouragement and words that you make? Is there any fruit being produced in your heart and in your life? But I want us to notice how he ends this verse. That last little phrase, he says, I want you to to grow in your knowledge. I want you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the one who called you. And I want you to produce fruit. But look what happens when we produce fruit. Um, And good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God. Now, wait a minute. I thought we did knowledge back there at the beginning. He's telling us something very, very important that we need to pay attention because a lot of Christians, we miss this. Is that just learning and gaining knowledge only takes us so far in understanding who God is. But when we go out and we apply it in our life, when we go out and change our walk, when we go out and start producing fruit, you know, that's really when we learn about who God is. That's really when we increase in our knowledge of God. You want to increase in your, in your prayer and your effectiveness of prayer and your understanding of prayer, you start praying for things and you start acting on those things. You start, th- start changing. You start seeing things change in your life and you start seeing things moving. You're going to grow in your knowledge of God and you do it by working. And it's the same thing for anything else that you would do. You could go be an electrician, or you could go be a teacher. You could study to be like a nurse, and they'll take you off to some sort of school, and uh, you'll go, and you'll, you'll read those books, and you'll take those tests, and you'll have some kind of knowledge, but it kind of gets real, real, kind of gets a little different when you get out there in the real world, when you start working in those hospitals, when you start working in those patients, when you start 
working and getting your hands on those electrical wires, then that is really when you start getting that experience. Does your knowledge really grow? And it works the same way in our relationship with God. We can learn a lot from books and reading, but how we really grow in our knowledge is that we actually apply it in our life. As we see God working and as we see God moving, then we gain in our knowledge. So not only does he want us to grow in our knowledge, not only does he want us to walk in a way that is worthy, he wanted the church and he wants us to be strengthened. Listen to verse 11. Being strengthened with all power. Isn't it good to know that when we have Jesus in our heart, we have all power. We have full access to the whole thing. According to his glorious might, not according to your might, for all endurance and patience and joy. I mean, with joy. So we know we have this power. He wants us to be strengthened from this power. And we understand where the source of this power comes from. It comes not from ourselves. It comes not from the world. It not, doesn't come from some sort of magic stone, but rather it comes from God himself, God Almighty himself. And what does that power give us? It gives us uh, endurance. It gives us patience. And it gives us joy. So let's kind of, do like we did back in the 80s. Let's play the tape backwards, all right? So if that power that only comes from God will give us endurance and patience and joy, where is the only place that we can truly find endurance? Where is the only place that we can find patience? Where is the only place that we can find joy? It's in the power of Jesus Christ. He gives us all endurance. You're not going to make it through this life without the power that comes from the Almighty. That power that you have access to. it. Without that supernatural power from God living in you, you're not going to be able to endure this life. And a lot of times we try to make it on our own. A lot of times we try to do it by ourselves, and that's usually when we get when we get crushed. But if we trust in God's power and God's strength to be able to do things in our life, we are able to make it. That is the only way to make it. And then he's our source of patience. Maybe some people you could get by with just your patience. But some of these people, I need supernatural patience for them. Patience is kind of the attribute that tests our hope. It tests our ability to wait on the Lord. It's that distance that exists between what God has promised us and our situation right now. And a lot of times we get tired of waiting. 
and we run away from God. A lot of times we get tired for God to bring it about. And so we go find somewhere else to bring it about. God made a promise to Abraham. I'm going to give you a son. And that promise was sure. But Abraham ran out of patience. God has made promises to us. Not only to us as a whole, but us in our individual lives. And we should rest and secure that those promises will be fulfilled in that time. But what happens to us? We run out of patience. And it's only through the power that comes through the Holy Spirit will be we equipped with the patience to go through this life in the way that he wants us to, in the ups and downs in life, where we will truly not go on our own way, but rather we will wait on the Lord and we will steadfastly follow him and we'll do those things with joy. It's one thing to make it through life. It's one thing to stagger through life. But it's another thing to go through this world and this life with the ups and downs that it presents to us with a true sense of joy. Because that joy can only come from one place. And that's through the power in the person of the Holy Spirit that comes to us in Jesus Christ from God above. That's the only really source of joy in our life. And so we know that God's power and God's might is constant and total. So therefore, in our life, we can be constantly and totally full with joy. But apart from God, we only have temporary moments of happiness. We have joys and we have sensations that are dependent upon our circumstances. Things are going to great. I'm full of joy. Things are bottom out. I'm all upset. But if we put our hope in Jesus Christ and rely on him, then we should make it through anything in our hearts and life. Church, I pray that you will be strengthened and increasing in your knowledge. He says, I want to pray that you will walk in a manner worthy, that you'll take that knowledge, walk in a manner worthy of him and produce fruit. And I pray that the Lord will continue to always strengthen you and that you will always rely on his power for every need in your life. But also pray that your life is always filled with a sense of thanksgiving. Verse number 12. Giving thanks to the Father who qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints, uh, the saints in light. And he delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transformed us into the kingdom of the beloved Son in whom we have redemption, forgiveness of sins. We always say in our heart that we have maybe a spirit of thanksgiving. 
But what he calls us to do is that we are always giving thanks. In other words, we're always expressing our gratitude. And who are we expressing our gratitude to? Well, there's only one person that we can express our gratitude to, and that is to God the Father who gives us power and who has transformed us into the kingdom of light and to the Son who died on the cross for our sins and to the Spirit who indwells us and who empowers us. That should always be the ultimate source of our thanksgiving because it's from Him to whom which all good gifts come from. Every good and every perfect gift comes from on high. So we're always giving thanks to God for everything that we have. And so we know that that's the object of our thanksgiving, but we should give thanks. And how should we give thanks? We give thanks. We give thanks when we come and we we sing out songs to him. We give thanks when we take time in his word to say, Lord, of everything else I have going on in my life, I'm gonna take time to show how much I appreciate by spending this time with you. We give thanks by letting everybody know what Jesus has done in our life. But most importantly, we give thanks by living our life afresh and anew. The Lord has called us out of death and into life. We were prisoners to sin, but now we are servants of Christ. And so we always walk out of that great appreciation. We always walk in a way that honors him. We could never pay Christ back for what he did for us on the cross, but we can honor him in every day of our life by living our lives in appreciation to Him, and growing in our knowledge, in the way that we walk, trusting in His power and tapping into that power, and always speaking words of thanksgiving for what Christ has done for us. Let's pray. Lord, we pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, as you prayed for the church at Kashi, Lord, that we, you will grow us. That we'll grow in our knowledge of Christ and his will for our life. Lord, that we will apply it to our lives. Lord, that we will produce fruit. And Lord, that we'll always have the attitude of thanksgiving. So Lord, as we come to this invitation, Lord, we ask ourselves, What is our life like? Are we living worthy of the one who saved us? And Lord, as we think during this time, Lord, that we not only pray for ourselves, but we pray for each other here at this church. Lord, that each one here would be lifted up and to be strengthened in your knowledge and would be called in the way that they walk in their lives. And their hearts will always be filled with joy and thanksgiving for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.